Hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week's product call about food and mood. I'm Dr. Natalie Macis, Neolife's Research Manager. I'm here with my colleague, Christina. Hi, I'm Christina Nguyen, Neolife's Product Research Scientist. We both play a role in the product team, working to provide you with the best high quality products. We're excited to be here speaking with you today about food and mood. So when we're talking about mood here, we're specifically focusing on mood as a more general state and how it regards to emotion and feelings. Mood disorders fall into another category which include more serious medical conditions and should be handled by medical professionals. General moods can vary from being very positive where you're feeling excited and content to more negative moods where you may feel annoyed, anxious, or even disgusted. Moods can change very abruptly or they might linger a while. Really, it's believed that there are three things that can shape our mood in our brains. First, our biology, such as the hormones and brain chemistry we have. Second, our psychology, such as our general personal traits. And lastly, the environment in which we're in. Many things can actually cause changes to your mood. Stress is a big one, or poor sleep. Even people's mood around you, the weather, hormones, low physical activity, and of course, food. I think it's an interesting topic because we've all noticed how our mood has been influenced by food at one point or another in both positive and negative ways. Yes, the influence goes both ways. Your mood can influence your food intake and what you eat can influence your mood. If you think about your past week, you may even start to realize that there are foods that can alter your mood. Foods that can make you feel content or other foods that may negatively affect your mood. And it may even be the lack of food that can influence your mood. You may have heard of the term hanger or being hangry before. It's a mashup of the words hunger and anger and it refers to being in a bad mood or angry because you're hungry. I certainly know that feeling. It's a bit embarrassing to admit, but I do tend to get grumpy when I'm hungry. So much so that when I start to get unreasonably upset, my poor boyfriend often offers me a snack as a first line of defense, which honestly does work some of the time. I find that when I'm hungry, I'm more susceptible to mood changes and things that might not bother me normally are much more irritating. But I can't be the only one that feels that way, right? No, it's not just you, Christina. It's something we probably all have gone through at some point, and I admit I have too. It's funny that you mentioned a snack because knowing myself and how I get, I sometimes pack a snack if I think I won't have a chance to grab some food when I need to. Okay, so continuing along this very concept about the lack of food and how it can lead to, well, um, irritability, there have been some interesting research evaluating this relationship. In 2014, there was a study evaluating the relationship between glucose and aggression in married couples. When we came across this paper, we thought that the study's methods were very interesting and different, to say the least. So the researchers gave married couples voodoo dolls that represented their spouse, and those subjects were instructed to stick pins in the doll, the number of which depended on how angry they were. The voodoo doll task, or VDT, is actually a validated method used in studies to evaluate aggressive inclinations. Okay, so this is perhaps an extreme example for showing mood changes, but the authors 
did bring this interesting concept to the table. Okay, so the couples in the study measured their blood glucose levels in the evening over the course of 21 days. And blood glucose or blood sugar in normal individuals typically increases after meals and will be at the lowest before meals when a person hasn't eaten yet. What did they find? Well, the researchers found that blood glucose levels and aggression levels were inversely related. This means that lower blood glucose levels were associated with higher number of pins in the voodoo doll, suggesting that there were greater aggressive impulses towards their spouses when blood glucose levels are low. Okay, so we don't recommend trying this at home, but this study does highlight the interesting link between glucose, which comes from the food that is broken down as we eat it, and how we may respond. That's a really interesting study, Natalie. It really shows how having low blood glucose level may affect your mood, even your mood towards someone you love, like your partner. I'll have to show this paper to my boyfriend and say, see, science says I have a reason to be hangry. <laughs> In the voodoo study, we discussed the relationship between low blood glucose and aggressive behavior, showing that blood glucose levels are associated with different moods. So this relationship has also been reflected in people who have diabetes. People with diabetes have issues with insulin, which is an important hormone that regulates the level of blood glucose. And their levels are generally too high, but it can also swing too low for various reasons. One study had people with diabetes record their mood just before testing their blood glucose four times a day. They weren't only investigating negative moods, they were looking at positive moods too. So investigators found that lower blood glucose levels tended to be associated with negative moods and nervousness, while positive moods were almost always associated with high blood glucose levels. So maybe next time you need to you know, take a break and feel yourself getting a bit heated emotionally, you could take a break and have a snack, like a delicious Neolife bar to provide a steady supply of energy and help your satiety levels. It comes with a delicious mix of berries, like blueberries and cranberries, flax seeds and pumpkin seeds, and assorted nuts such as cashews and almonds. It has 10 grams of protein and 5 grams of fiber, and this can help replenish your energy levels and help you feel fuller for longer. I actually keep one in my purse, so I always have a convenient and tasty snack ready. Oh, that's a great tip, Christina. It's definitely good to take a break and a pause and think about why you may be feeling the way that you do. Oftentimes though, it's the result of not having enough food in your system and lacking energy. Earlier, we mentioned hanger, and when you perhaps haven't eaten for a long time, this may lower your blood glucose and affect your mood. The concept of hanger does make sense scientifically because self-control of aggressive tendencies requires brain power, and your brain needs fuel in order to function. Self-control is a cognitive function, and studies have shown that using your brain for acts of self-control reduces blood glucose levels. Self-control is so important. Imagine if you're in a room and you have to decide if you're going to choose one food or another, or if you're going to avoid watching 15 hours of your favorite television show in one go. Well, all of these efforts take self-control and energy to work out decisions. As we mentioned, our brain's role in self-control consequently lowers blood glucose. Imagine, if a person's blood glucose is already low, they will use up their fuel earlier and perform more poorly on subsequent cognitive tasks, including exercising self-control. 
However, in one study, it was shown that consuming a glucose drink eliminated the impairments on subsequent cognitive tasks, suggesting that fuel supplies were replenished and people were able to function at their normal levels. So in these different scenarios, it seems to make, be important to make sure that your energy levels are replenished when you are feeling that they're low, because we established that hunger levels can affect mood. But it seems to work the other way around. Your mood can influence what you decide to eat. That's right, Natalie. It's such a common experience that it's a practically a cliche at this point. You know, digging into that pint of ice cream after a bad breakup, or treating yourself to that greasy slice of pizza, or three, after getting through a stressful day at work. Conversely, who hasn't treated themselves to something delicious after receiving good news, like getting a promotion? This is called emotional eating, where you eat in response to your feelings instead of actual hunger. This may affect both what you choose to eat and the quantity that you eat. And it's not uncommon. Think of comfort foods. My favorite comfort snack is milk tea with boba, which are tapioca pearls. I've been cutting back, but I still treat myself to one sometimes if I'm having a stressful day. Do you have a favorite comfort food, Natalie? Well, for me, I've liked dishes my mom used to make growing up, like beef stew or a dish called arroz aguado, which is like a rice porridge. My mom used to make this for me when I was sick, so I always find it comforting to eat and it helps improve my mood for sure. That sounds delicious. I'll have to borrow your mom sometime. We may associate certain foods with happy memories or certain periods of your life. It may be a childhood favorite dish that you crave as an adult, and if you're feeling sick or feeling down, this food may comfort you and uplift your mood, like how Natalie's mom beef stew does for her. But are you really eating because you're hungry or because of your emotions? An issue with emotional eating is that it may mask your own hunger cues and make it difficult to tell when you're full. It's really interesting that you mentioned that, Christina. Emotional eating is used in different instances to soothe pain or negative moods or even to uplift oneself. It's common in different age groups too. Let's talk about college students a little bit. You may have gone to college or you know somebody who has and can probably imagine the stress involved. There are tests, new environments, new struggles that weren't dealt with before, and all of this can really be impactful for one's mood, of course. We found a study uh, involving almost 1,500 college students where they filled out a questionnaire called the eating and appraisal due to emotions and stress, and they filled it out to assess their emotional eating. The questionnaire asked the students to what degree they agreed with statements such as, I eat when I'm upset with myself and I overeat when I'm stressed, along with questions about stressors in their life and other coping resources like family support. The researchers also had the students fill out an assessment to measure their depressive symptoms. And it was found that negative symptoms like feeling sad and hopeless were associated with emotional eating in both men and women. The researchers also measured the student's body mass index or BMI. And for reference, for those who don't know what BMI is, it's a measure of the proportionality of height and weight, and it tries to estimate body fat, where people who have higher BMI values, they're considered to have higher health risk. But it is important to note that this number can be impacted by a variety of factors, such as if you have a muscular build. The researchers found in this study that emotional eating was associated with a higher BMI. 
So they're seeing this relationship between negative symptoms and emotional eating, and also emotional eating being associated with a higher BMI status. So this study was done in a college population, and a lot of us can still probably relate to this type of cycle. So in this regard, it's important to focus on ways to work for our general mood. We also talked about how emotional eating can mask our own hunger cues, so we may even eat when we're not hungry. This could lead to overeating, and you just want to eat more and more and more to feel that comfort. You know, it's not just negative moods that can make you want to eat more. A meta-analysis, which basically assesses data from multiple studies, looked at the effect of induced mood on meal consumption. They looked at both positive and negative moods and found that both were linked to a higher caloric intake than a neutral mood. Wow. Well, that sounds interesting that both positive and negative moods can affect our eating patterns. So what can somebody do to help reduce emotional eating, Christina? Well, a lot of us indulge in emotional eating, and it's certainly hard to resist. But research has found that mindfulness-based approaches can be effective in reducing emotional eating. Mindfulness basically means paying attention and being aware of things as they are. An example of a mindfulness-based approach is meditation, where you think deeply and focus your mind. And it can be really helpful to take a quick pause and assess your motivations and listen to the physical cues that your body is telling you, reflecting on if you're eating because you're hungry or if it's an emotion-based impulse. Sometimes it may even take 20 minutes for your body to register that you are full after you've eaten. So some strategies are to eat slowly to savor your food and consider channeling your emotions another way, like with exercise, which has the added benefit of releasing mood-enhancing endorphins. Well, I really like that suggestion, Christina, because a lot of times we forget to focus on the food that's in front of us and we get distracted, so that's great. And I like that suggestion about meditation, too. I'll have to try that. Okay, so we've talked about food and mood in a more general sense, but it also appears that different food components can have varying effects on your mood and your health in both positive and negative respects. So let's take a look at some more specific examples. We will talk about some general food components and then we'll go deeper into selected vitamins and minerals. First up is sugar. I'm sure you've experienced a sugar rush or you've seen a little child get really hyper after a sweet treat. So while sugar can boost your mood in the immediate term, there are multiple health concerns about the high levels of added sugar that many people consume. Sugar is added to a lot of things that can appear healthy, but they can contain a lot of added sugar. For example, some yogurts may even have as much sugar as a Twinkie bar. So data about people's diet and mood from the Whitehall 2 cohort study of over 10,000 people expanding a 22-year period using 23,000 data points were analyzed. And it was found that when controlling for other factors, the men in the top third of sugar consumption had a 23% increased chance of suffering a common mental disorder five years later when they were first examined. Researchers concluded that there was an adverse effect of sugar intake on long-term psychological health and suggested that a lower intake of added sugar from foods and beverages may be associated with better psychological health. So it's something to consider. All of us can consider our own intake of added sugars. And especially if our intake is too high, perhaps in the beverage components, it's important to try to aim for water 
And if you feel like you need more flavor, try adding some cucumber or fresh strawberries. This can really make for a refreshing beverage. I like my water with a slice of lemon in it. But you know, I feel like we're being all doom and gloom over here, Natalie. Let's switch tracks and talk about foods that can positively impact your mood. One example is green tea. I know this one very well personally since I drink green tea all day at work. I make a cup first thing in the morning and I make another cup after lunch. Green tea has been studied extensively, both as a whole and as individual components. A review paper presented evidence that green tea influenced psychopathological symptoms. For example, it helps reduce anxiety. It also showed benefits for cognitive functions like memory and attention. This paper looked at studies using green tea as a whole, but it also looked at studies on caffeine and L-theanine, which are components of green tea. Both caffeine and L-theanine had positive effects on cognition, but individually, each substance had a lesser impact, so the benefits of green tea could not be pinned to a single component. Well, I'm more of a coffee drinker, but you may have convinced me to drink more green tea when I need a mood boost, and it has other benefits as well. That's great. So acknowledging these benefits, Neolife created Neolife Tea, which contains green tea extract as well as white and black tea. It's in a convenient on-the-go stick pack, and it contains a subtle lemon flavor. This tea blend was made to create a more energizing formula. Or if you're not a fan of tea and you want the option that contains berries, Neolife formulated Tray to contain not only green tea extract, but a delicious assortment of polyphenol-rich berries. Of course, green tea can only make up a small part of your diet, and we know that we need a good balance of fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, and whole grains as part of our daily diet. So it's recommended to make half your plate fruits and vegetables as they contribute so many benefits to our health. If you've spent any time with Neolife, I'm sure you've heard over and over about many health benefits of a diet containing fruits and vegetables, but did you know that they may also be related to your mood? A large study involving over 12,000 Australian adults used information recorded from food diaries and compared the foods listed to life satisfaction scores, adjusting for changing incomes and personal circumstances. The researchers found that increased fruit and vegetable consumption was predictive of increased happiness, life satisfaction, and well-being. The highest rise of fruit and vegetable consumption with an increase of eight portions a day of fruits and vegetables was associated with a rise of life satisfaction. And these gains were comparable to the effect of going from unemployed to employed, which is quite incredible. These improvements occurred within 24 months. Wow, that's a pretty big benefit. What do you think might be causing this effect? Well, the authors speculated that there are likely multiple reasons for the improvement like in life satisfaction, including possibly the influence of vitamin B12 on serotonin production, the fact that our microbiota may modulate brain chemistry, and they even suggested a connection between human optimism and carotenoid levels in the blood. As if there weren't already enough reasons to increase fruit and vegetable intake. It's definitely best to eat as healthily as you can, but that can be really difficult in a busy modern life. Luckily, Vitamin and mineral supplementation have also shown the ability to improve mood. 
A meta-analysis of supplementation studies concluded that vitamin and mineral supplementation have a beneficial effect on everyday mood and perceived stress, even in individuals who are otherwise healthy. Oh, well, it's good that supplementation can be helpful, but I feel like it's still a bit general. I'm sure the vitamins and minerals are all important, but some may have a greater impact on mood than others. Can you narrow it down more specifically, Christina? Definitely. B vitamins are a group that may be particularly important. A deficiency in B vitamins leads to elevated homocysteine levels, which has been associated with depressed mood and anxiety, which perhaps might be linked to a disturbance in neurotransmission. Several studies have reported that supplementing with thiamine, aka vitamin B1, improves mood even in people who are already well nourished. Neolife has pro-vitality and vegetarian multi to provide important vitamins and minerals, including B vitamins, to adults, while Liquivite and VitaSquares provide multivitamin supplementation for children. And of course, there's always Super B Complex if you need additional B vitamins, which play important roles in energy production, our cardiovascular system, our immune response, and mental acuity. Hmm. Well, B vitamins aren't the only examples of nutrients that can affect your mood. Stress is a pervasive problem nowadays. And magnesium is a mineral that research has indicated is associated with stress reduction. And let's be real, it's hard to be in a good mood when you're stressed. One study used healthy adults who initially had low blood serum magnesium levels, and they also had high stress scores based on the depression anxiety stress scales. One group of stressed adults took a daily dose of 300 milligrams of magnesium. These subjects stress scores were taken again after four and eight weeks, and there was a significant reduction in stress scores at both points. So the magnesium alone did improve stress scores, but interestingly, one group received a daily dose of 300 milligrams of magnesium plus 30 milligrams of vitamin B6. For people who had extremely severe stress scores, the addition of vitamin B6 had a 24% greater improvement in reducing stress at the eight-week mark than magnesium alone. While reducing stress can do wonders for your mood. So for those seeking magnesium options, magnesium is found in a variety of foods such as dark leafy green vegetables, nuts, and legumes. Neolife offers magnesium complex with each serving providing 300 milligrams of magnesium. It also features Neolife's TriMag blend which is three different sources of magnesium, and it's complemented by the Phytomag blend, providing phytonutrients for magnesium-rich whole food sources. Okay, we're going to talk about one more micronutrient, vitamin D. It's also known as the sunshine vitamin because people can produce it when our skin is exposed to sunlight. I know that vitamin D is important, but I'm afraid I don't get enough sun to produce a lot. I spend most of my time indoors, and try to be vigilant about wearing sunblock outside to reduce the risk of skin cancer. Plus, I'm just not an outdoorsy person. (laughs) Well, you're not the only one avoiding the sun, Christina. Vitamin D deficiency is quite common nowadays because of all the situations where we may not get enough sunlight or we may not be consuming enough foods containing vitamin D. You can get vitamin D in your diet from fortified milk or in some fish sources, such as salmon, 
cod liver oil and tuna. And supplementation is another option. Neolife Cal Mag with vitamin D is a great product and one serving provides 1,000 international units of vitamin D. So you might remember that vitamin D is crucial for bone health, but it may also play a role in mood. There was a study of premenstrual symptoms in women who were vitamin D deficient, and it showed that vitamin D supplementation greatly reduced irritability, anxiety, and sadness uh, in the PMS symptoms. Another study of women with type 2 diabetes showed that vitamin D supplementation was associated with improvement in subjects' mood and decreased rates of depression. So, okay, we touched on the basics of how lack of food may contribute to different symptoms or how our emotions can play a role in emotional eating. We even spoke about specific food components and how they can influence our mood. It's really a complex topic that we discussed today, and I'm glad we went over these things. But Christina, let's talk a little bit more about some breaking research. And this past year, going to nutrition conferences, I'm always intrigued by the research revolving the gut and our gut. Do you know how our gut can play a role in our moods? It's interesting that you mentioned that because there has been a lot of research recently investigating these types of relationships. I know we've covered a lot already, but bear with me. Let's talk about one last thing, the gut microbiota and the gut-brain axis. It's a complex topic, impossible to totally explain here, but the gist is that your gut microbiome refers to the trillions of microbes living in your intestines. You influence your gut microbiome with your diet, which can shift the balance between beneficial and detrimental species in your gut. The gut microbiome influences many of your body's systems, including digestion, immune health, and even your mental state. Your gut and brain communicate with each other in a two-way street, connecting the systems and forming the gut-brain axis. Exciting research is being done as the gut influences more than you might suspect, including your mood. For example, serotonin is a neurotransmitter that contributes to feelings of well-being and happiness. So obviously it plays a big role in mood and cognition. But you might be surprised to find that the vast majority of serotonin is not produced in the brain. In fact, about 90% of it is produced in the gut. So how that happens is tryptophan is an amino acid that's a precursor to serotonin. The gut microbiota play an important role in metabolizing the tryptophan into serotonin. So if your microbial balance is impaired, so is your ability to make serotonin and thus your mood is affected. A lot of research is still needed to uncover the full extent of what we refer to as the gut-brain axis, but it's clear that a diversity of microbes and a well-balanced gut microbiome is essential to overall health. And Acidophilus Plus is a great product to help maintain a healthy gut microbiota balance. Yeah, the gut-brain axis is an interesting topic and we'll have to dig into that more another time, but it's clear that it impacts your mood too. Okay, we've covered a lot today, and we can see that food and mood are closely linked in many ways, from impacting your blood glucose to the more specific ways like that certain nutrients can play. We hope that everybody has learned something that you can do to help improve your mood in real life, and thank you for tuning in today's call. We're looking forward to next time. Oh, and before I forget, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat,
cure or prevent any diseases. As always, please consult with your healthcare provider about the supplementation you use. Thanks for listening.